This Rarecast is made possible by Global Genes, a leading education and advocacy organization that serves and promotes the needs of patients and families touched by rare and genetic disease. Since 2009, Global Genes has been building awareness, developing patient-focused education and advocacy tools, and funding patient care programs and critical research. To learn more, go to globalgenes.org. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. Seth Rotberg grew up in the shadow of Huntington's disease, a rare genetic neurodegenerative condition. Children of people with Huntington's have a 50% chance of developing it themselves. When Rotberg was in college, he made the decision to get tested to see if he too would develop the disease. We spoke to Rotberg about his decision to get tested, why he largely kept the results to himself for two years, and what led him to become a patient advocate. Seth, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. We're going to talk about Huntington's disease, your mother's journey with the disease, and, and your decision to have yourself tested. Let's start with the disease itself. For listeners not familiar with Huntington's, what is it? How does it manifest itself? What's the progression of the disease? And what treatments exist today? Yeah, so that's that's a great question. And you know, the way I describe Huntington's disease is I, I try to paint a picture with growing up with my mom. And my mom had poor balance and wobbly movements, you know, might have looked like a drunk. She had these severe mood swings where, you know, one minute she was fine, and then the next she might have been angry or frustrated. And then finally, you know, she had this cognitive decline where she had trouble with uh, her short-term memory, with decision-making, with concentration, among other things. And so Huntington's disease, which, uh, you know, I might say is also known as HD, is a rare neurological disease that slowly deteriorates a person's physical and cognitive abilities. And... Unfortunately, there's no cure for it. And so the, the, um, the, the average lifespan for someone with the disease is about 10 to 20 years. And each child of the parent has a 50-50 chance. So a flip of a coin, um, whether or not they'll, they'll develop the disease. As of today, um, you know, they're aren't many treatments. There are some, um, you know, medication that might help with the, um, those wobbly movements or that physical decline, which sometimes is known as the chorea. Um, but, you know, I know that research has been making a lot of great progress in regards to just finding the next steps for getting, you know, closer to that cure. How old were you when you became aware of your mom's condition and 
What was it like having a mother in the grips of that disease? Yeah, so I was um, I was probably 12 years old when I started noticing something wrong with my mom. But again, I mean, she was the first one in our family to have Huntington's disease, so we didn't know what it was. And, um, you know, as I was getting older and and just seeing, you know, something wrong with my mom, you know, even with my dad, we were trying to figure it out. And uh, even, when, you know, growing up with my older sister, you know, she went off to college in Arizona. So my dad and I were dealing with a lot of it. And, you know, it got to the point where we were trying to figure out what it was. And we um, tried to, we had her evaluated. And after a lot of these test results, they were like, is Huntington's disease in your family? And we were all surprised and had no idea. And then, you know, that was when we first really discovered it when I was 15 years old. So three years after kind of noticing uh, some changes in my mom. And even though I, I learned about it, I, I felt like I was in denial. And I was often embarrassed out in public to my mom because of how she acted with, like, her slurred speech, her wobbly movements. And when I wanted to get away from my household, I would just stay at my friends' houses. So it was very challenging, you know, especially as a, a young high school student just trying to have that normal life, per se, and trying to take on additional responsibilities at home and, and cope with my mom's illness. Was there a point at which you ever looked at your mother and considered she might be giving a look at your own future? You know, when so I always go back to my, I think it was my junior year biology class, and those, uh, I don't know if you remember those, like, Punnett squares that you put to see, you know, match up, I guess, uh, if it's a dominant or recessive gene, and I did that, and, you know, my assumption was, because my dad's a dominant gene, I wouldn't have to worry about Huntington's disease, but then when I went to college, I, I realized that that's not how it works, and so that's when I started to think, wow, you know, I could end up like my mom one day. You know, I'm a, I'm, I'm at a 50% chance of inheriting this disease and slowly deteriorating just like her. So it didn't really hit me until my freshman year in college. Well, when you were in college, you made the decision to have testing done to see whether or not you had the gene. What was the internal argument you had with yourself on whether or not to get tested and what finally led you to get tested? Yeah, so, again, when I was a freshman, there was just, you know, as you mentioned before, there was those similar treats that I saw in me that were that my mom had. So I may have dropped something or I forgot something, and I would immediately say, is that the HD or is that just me being a, you know, typical person? And, and you know, my freshman year, I, I spoke with my sister, my older sister, and my aunt about it, and, you know, my aunt told me, you know, it's a big decision, you know, make sure you're ready for it, and my sister and I, you know, we discussed it, and it was kind of came down to, I didn't want to put pressure on her to also feel like she had to get tested if I get tested, 
And so I kind of put it in my back pocket. I was like, you know what? They're right. I'm, I'm probably overthinking this. But then when I was a sophomore and I was 20 years old, it just kept coming up. And it was just mentally training on a daily basis. And I was tired of living with the unknown. And so I decided to uh, anonymously get tested for Huntington's disease. And when you did get tested, who did you tell and, and who didn't you tell that you were having this done? Yeah, so uh, I would say I, I didn't do it the uh, typical way that it usually goes through. And, um, you know, I I decided to tell a few friends. I said, hey, listen, this is what I'm going to do. But I didn't, I didn't tell anyone in college. So I, you know, took an hour and a half car ride out to or from from college to get the blood work done and then two weeks later do the same thing. I had one friend with me for my results. The rest I told when I was driving back to college on the phone. Um, and so, unfortunately, or I, I wouldn't say unfortunately, but it, it was a challenge to not tell my family. And my reasoning for that was, you know, my mom was still alive. And I knew she'd be devastated to know that she passed this on to me. I didn't want her to feel guilty. And my dad was the caregiver. I didn't want to feel like another burden to him and, and put more stress on him. And then, as mentioned before, with my older sister, I didn't want her to feel pressured to also get tested. And so my 20-year-old mindset was saying, you know, it's best, let's just, you know, tell your friends. They'll be very supportive. and go from there and without realizing it you know I use this I guess uh, similarity of like you know closing myself into this genetic disease closet and hiding my results because of how people would react or you know being afraid that my mom would find out and so you know over time I just kind of felt more comfortable about it and over the years I you know, was able to tell a few more friends and whatnot. Um, but, it, you know, it took, it took two years until I actually told my dad and my sister. When you got the diagnosis, who told you and what was the experience of sitting, I assume, in an office and having a, a doctor or genetic counselor deliver this news to you? Yeah, so, I mean, it was it was one of those things where, I knew I had, or I felt like I knew I had it. I keep on the side. I, I knew I had it, but now that it was told to me, you know, the words that your, you know, test results came back positive for Huntington's disease, it just kind of, you know, it was shocking. And, you know, when I walked into that exam room uh, the second time to get the results, it was different and I say that because there was a genetic counselor there who wasn't there the first time and so he, uh, the neurologist told me oh this is a genetic counselor she was on vacation and wasn't able to make the first appointment and in my mind I'm like oh that's weird like you know I, I didn't realize that's how it works and so right away just having her there um, I just kind of knew it was going to be bad news but it also you know, I just kind of 
blocked out everything he said after the positive test results because I was just thinking about, okay, well, what are the next steps in my life? You know, how is this going to impact my future? And who else am I going to tell that I can kind of go to for support? Um, but what I will say is that, you know, looking back on it, and, you know, as I got older, I realized I should have went to a, uh, a neurologist who specializes in Huntington's disease because I probably would have gotten that proper treatment of going over everything, seeing a genetic counselor, maybe at least uh, once before my uh, test results, and just kind of understanding, you know, the long-term impact of, of this disease because it's not, a, it's not an easy thing to just, you know, accept. I, I think even, you know, now being 27, there's still some times where I'm like, wow, this is this is my future. You know, this is how I have to live my life. And it's, you know, it is challenging at times, but then I kind of take that step back and, and try to look at the positives and look at taking life a day at a time and realizing that life is, is too short to worry about some of these bigger, bigger issues in society. When you absorbed the reality of the results how did it initially impact you did it did it have you thinking about your future differently did it have you thinking about what this meant for you in terms of jobs or relationships or what you would do near term absolutely i mean a couple things came to my mind when i learned about my results i was thinking about family planning you know i still still want to get married and, and have kids, but obviously I don't want to put them at risk, so it's a very different process in regards to, you know, whether or not I go through, uh, like, an in vitro, like an, uh, a PDD, which will kind of test the, the eggs and make sure that um, the baby doesn't have Huntington's disease or do I adopt. I mean, career-wise, I think I realize I, I want to, even though I could go into a job that makes a lot of money, I feel like I want to do something that's going to make me happy. And really just, it's my way of finding my reason in life. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it, it does take a heavy toll on my future planning of family planning, of financing, um, and especially with relationships. Um, I, I think both just with friendships as well as romantic relationships, it's challenging because now, you know, it's a part of who I am. But I need to remember that I, I'm i defined by my characteristics, my personality, and I can't let the Huntington's disease define who I am as a person. You kept the diagnosis to yourself for two years, and then you decided to go public about your coming out of what you call the <laughs> genetic closet. Yeah. Why, why did you change your mind about that? Yeah, so there's, um, you know, a couple, I guess, uh, I guess there's a turning point in my life. It was uh, two big, I guess, experiences. And the first one happened the day before my last semester of of my undergrad college career where uh, a good friend of mine, Jake, he, um, you know, unexpectedly died in an accident. 
and it was very heartbreaking. But what I specifically remember about him is like he truly lived his life to the fullest, and he, you know, didn't look look back on life. And so I tried to think to myself, how can I kind of do the same thing? Life's too short. I shouldn't take anything for granted. And then, you know, a short time after that, I had another friend who had the uh, juvenile version of Huntington's disease because, uh, you know, with the juvenile version, it's, can, it's more progressive at a younger age. And unfortunately, she lost her battle at the age of 26. And she was very comfortable sharing her story, raising money and awareness for the disease. And so with these two circumstances, it just made me realize why should I keep you know, my story is secret and why, and why continue to go on with hiding this from the world. And, you know, rather than doing that, why not use my story to fight back and to advocate and to raise money and to realize it doesn't only impact, you know, older adults, but it also impacts young people, whether they tested positive or they tested negative or, you know, that they're at risk. Because no matter what, we all have to face challenges in life. And just because we're younger doesn't mean that it has a smaller impact on our lives. When you decided to go public, you started by telling your father. What? How did you prepare him for the news and what was his response? Yeah, so that was probably one of the toughest things I've done. First telling my dad and then telling my sister and I mean I remember it vividly I, I he was watching TV in the living room I, I walked in told him I had something important to tell him and he's like all right you know and he's like you know what's up and you know it was, it was very tough to just uh, you know say it because I had no idea how he was going to react I, I assumed that he was going to be like why did you hide this from me? I can't believe you didn't tell me about this and get very upset or angry. And then, you know, after a long pause and he's like, all right, well, what is it? You know, what do you need to tell me? I told him, I said, hey, dad, I tested positive for Huntington's disease. And then he just kind of looked at me and I sat back uh, on the couch and just kind of just said, okay, with like a smile on his face. And it was kind of mind-boggling because, you know, I was like, seriously, that's all you're going to say? You're just going to say okay? And, and you know, he just said, you know, in a very calm voice that, you know, this is obviously a big decision, but that he's going to support me 100% and that, you know, researchers are making great progress and that soon enough there's going to be a cure and just to take life a day at a time. You know, it was very reassuring because it could have gone the complete opposite way and to know that he was going to support me uh, no matter what, just like he was doing at the time with my mom, just made me feel better about myself and and my decision. Uh, We did agree not to tell my mom because, of course, I just didn't want her to know. And then after telling him, I told my sister, uh, very similar, where I thought it was going to be very tough, but it was actually easier than I could imagine and you know she was just very supportive and had some questions about it and you know what shocked her along with 
and other people that the fact that I was able to keep this for two whole years. I mean, after telling everyone my story and telling them, yeah, I, you know, I just two years ago or now I hit it for two years. I was like, how did you do that? Like, how did you manage? You know, I, I was just very fortunate to have some great friends in life, uh, friends who I grew up with, very supportive friends, as well as friends I uh, met in college, and I just was very lucky to have that. Um, but that being said, you know, if I would go back, I would tell my dad and my sister, because having that additional support probably would have helped me with, you know, the process and feeling comfortable about it and making sure that, you know, I was aware of how it would impact my future no matter what side of the coin. Uh, I, I know your mom has since died. Did she ever learn of your diagnosis? Uh, no, she didn't. Um, yeah, she was, um, it's crazy just like to think about it and that she, the three year anniversary was on, three year anniversary was on March 18th, but you know, that was that was one of the biggest reasons why I was so hesitant to tell my family is because I didn't I didn't want her to ever find out. And you know, at, at the end of the day I I'm almost hundred percent sure she never did. Uh she threw, I know that there were some times she would ask me, you know, if I thought about getting tested and everything, but um, you know, I, I made sure that I talked to, you know, my aunts and uncles to let them know as well and they understood. And they were like, you know, absolutely, we're not going to say anything because that's not our business, and we understand where you're coming from. Did your sister ever get tested? So my sister is older. Um, she has not um, gotten tested. And, you know, when we talked about it, when I first told her about my results, she said, you know, she's not ready, and that unless she's, you know, going to get married and have kids, that she would then get tested. Um, you know, she is engaged, but again, I think the challenge is, is that how big of a decision testing is. And, you know, I, I have asked her and she just isn't, you know, quite ready to go through it, which is totally fine. I'm not mad and I, I don't, I don't think anyone should tell her what she can and cannot do. I think at the end of the day, it's up to that person because it's a big decision and it impacts the future. And, you know, I just told her that I'm going to be supportive no matter what and that just let me know if I can help in any way. What advice would you give others who are weighing whether or not to, to get testing if they think they may have a risk for this disease? Yeah, I mean, there's a few things I would, I would tell them. And the first and foremost is just, you know, as mentioned, if, if you can go through it, um, through like a genetic counselor and neurologist who specializes in that field do it just because it does make the process more manageable. The amount of knowledge that they have about, you know, future, your, your future and, um, you know, potential treatments and everything like that. It's just, it makes it easier and it's not going to be easy, but it will be at least a lot easier than I guess I, how I went through it. Uh, you know, I would also just tell them to surround yourself with your family and friends and close friends for, for support because as mentioned, you know, even after telling some of my friends, it just felt like a weight came off my shoulder. 
I felt a sense of relief. And then it just continued to feel, I felt more and more like myself and not hidden in that genetic disease closet. And I was able to, you know, just act like myself. And so having that support from your close friends and your family definitely helped. And then I guess the last thing I would, I would advise is just, you know, just understand that, you know, life is too short. And, you know, I mentioned losing two friends at a, at a young age, and it just kind of gave me a different perspective on life and that, you know, you should really take life one day at a time and that if you're having a bad day or a bad week, you know, just remember that each day or each week is, is a new week and it, you have the opportunity to really grasp that grasp that and take advantage of it and so I'm a big believer in everyone has some type of reason or, or purpose in life and it's really just about finding that reason finding your purpose and just doing what makes you happy and what's going to make you who you are uh, today Seth Rotberg, member of the Board of Trustees of the Huntington's Disease Youth Organization. Seth, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com.